Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 312. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Quentin Dupieux's latest comedy, Keep an Eye Out. We'll also be talking about some of we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us on this very cold day. I know we always talk about the weather on here, but mm-hmm. what the yeah. what what is what is going on? It's like <laughs> it's six degrees, six degrees this morning. Now we're at thirteen, mm. thirteen degrees outside. What's your, what's your real feel though? That's the oh, I don't even know. Probably that's what it comes down to. Because I think my my real feel last night before bed was like negative eight. Ugh. And it sounds like my house is like falling apart with the wind. I love it. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, before we get into the review this week, I just wanted to note that the new episode of Saved by the 90s is out now. So take a look at that. Ken and I go over ski movies of the 90s, specifically January. So early 90s. January, that was the time to release ski movies. So we talk about Ski Patrol, Ski School, Aspen Extreme, which stars Peter Berg, by the way. And (laughs) the final one we talk about is Alive. So we we have three three sort of uh, ski romps followed by the movie about people that eat other people. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was really fun. We also talk about the Winter X games in there and have some other fun stuff. So check it out. Which is interesting because we were talking about that, you know, last week, right? And one out one out to eat yesterday to the bar. And what do they have on the TV? Winter X games. Ah, nice. And they're doing they're doing two two very odd things. One was like just a hill climb. So you just had they're dirt bikes with like snow tires on them. And they just like raced up the half pipe, like from the bottom uphill. And that's all it was, was just who could get to the top fastest. It's just <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Some of the events in, in that competition are a little odd. And those are my favorite ones. The weird ones. <laughs> it's just so dumb. Uh. Yeah, so check that out. It's uh, you can just search for it on iTunes. It's on Spotify, all all major podcast platforms, and you can check it out on the website as well. Saved by the '90s. Let's dive into our review this week. We're talking about keep an eye out. This is written and directed by Quentin Dupio. I have a synopsis here. Police officers at a station must solve a murder case. Now, Kevin, this was on your. Most anticipated list for 2018. It didn't come out in America in 2018, but it did come out just recently on Mubi, which is really weird because we talked about it on the 2019 most anticipated when we were doing our recap of 2018. Uh-huh. So we we talked about the movie and just like all of a sudden, boom, it pops up on Mubi like a week later. That seems a little well, odd. The- well, the other thing that's a little bit weird to me is I think not too recently, 
you post there was an article that you posted that was just kind of like highlighting what movies going to be releasing you know january and february i think Mm -hmm. right yeah and i don't remember that movie being on there at all nor do i now one thing that uh when we do post those highlights for movie it's not everything so it's just like certain programs and things so they'll they'll release other things in in yeah throughout the month because I, me- I remember the first time we did that um i worded it because i was under the impression that it was everything it was like their whole lineup and they emailed me and they're like it's not everything so i had to fix that and well, si- since then just, why not just tell me what all of them are yeah i don't know and it's just weird that you wouldn't especially weird to me is that you wouldn't highlight the things that would be essentially a a premiere like an online premiere type deal you know where it's a new movie that has not played anywhere else yeah as far as i know i mean this did play fantastic fest i believe so it was it did have some festival screenings in the united states but it never got any kind of release to my knowledge yeah that's what I mean. You would think that that would be those types of films would be kind of like your top priority to to sell movie. Yeah, maybe the idea of movie. Yeah, maybe when they prepare those like highlight emails at the beginning of the month, maybe they're like still working out details and stuff for some of these movies, and that's why they're not included. Or maybe they like it to just be a surprise and just drop it, you know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I'm not either. Either way, both you and I were pretty excited about this movie. We're both fans of this director, I would say. Now, I should note before we get into this is just a little disclaimer. Uh, I did. I was gifted a movie subscription by movie this week, and now it has nothing to do with coverage of any kind. So... Any, any movies that we cover on the show or on the website, it has no relation to that. There, there was no tit for tat going on. Yeah. And this is usually if we're covering something that's one movie that was more than likely facilitated by me. Right. And I was not gifted anything. <laughs> Much to my chagrin, because for some reason they they knew you already had an account, so they're like, "Well, he already he already has one." So, yeah, which I've had it for years, and like I don't even know what movie costs anymore. I'm not really sure. I don't, I, I don't think it's a lot. I don't. Th- I don't think. Yeah, I can't imagine. It's not going to be Netflix prices here. So keep an eye out. You were very excited about this one. You knew about this before I did. What did you think of uh, Keep an Eye Out? Uh, This is... I thought that this was just fucking delightful. I love this. And to me, it's just pretty much everything that I want from Dupio. And it's perfect in the sense that it's, it's a compact comedy. It's very short. It knows exactly what it's doing. It's relatively simple. It's just absurdity on top of absurdity. And I just, to me here, he's just, he's very, very playful in what he's doing with, especially with, uh, and just kind of how he escalates it to in the, with it being an interrogation, you have 
the police officer questioning this quote-unquote suspect who just happened upon a corpse outside of his apartment complex and him kind of recounting the night back to the investigator and just how they play with that like the flashbacks and the 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 recall and how character characters from the present start showing up in the flashbacks. Yeah, so this is something we've seen things like this done in TV shows and movies before where people are recalling things and maybe things are being altered. I think it was there was actually an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia this past season where they did a similar thing where they were remembering things. It was a clip show, but they but they altered it so they like essentially remade the clips that they did and and injected other things because people's memories are, you know, so unreliable especially that crew of people. So we've seen we, yeah. we've seen this done before in movies, but I feel like it wasn't to this degree of of humor and just how enjoyable it was to see these these things. Like, and it was so clever too. Like the it starts off pretty small. Like he's like, I don't remember what time it was, and they show him looking at the clock, and the clock's all jumbled, and like. Just yeah. small things like that, little details as he's trying to remember the night and the the events that took place, and and then it and then it starts to get a little out of control when uh, when other people start coming into it, like um, like the other detective's wife, <laughs> and when she shows up, the <laughs> actually lady, uh, I loved it. That I thought that that was just such a brilliant thing to do because the movie largely takes place in this one office which is very small and i was thinking at the beginning of the film i'm like oh man i I like one location movies but am i gonna be able to endure this with just three characters and then pretty quickly they knock that down to two characters Am I going to be able to handle yeah. this for like an hour and 15 minutes? But once they start introducing the the flashbacks of him recalling things and then they, they do break it up like outside the police station. And then I'm not going to spoil it. But what happens at the end when it really goes off the rails? I was I was just by that point, I was already completely on board <laughs> with everything about this movie. But once they did that and sort of did, pulled that 180, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's so much fun, and I love that the stuff too with the flashbacks is not only does he introduce you know people from the present into the memories, but then also too is like how uh, the suspect is able to see the the investigator's flashbacks, but the investigator can't see his flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of pissed off. <laughs> and, and then he just ends up in them watching. It's just, it was, it just, he always, it seemed like he knew exactly when to introduce another fold into this. You know, that it didn't become stale. That this, you know, this novelty didn't wear off is that it's like he was able to pinpoint like the shelf life of the previous thing that was, you know, introduced 
that when that was coming up, you know, on wearing out its welcome, he would interject something else. He would introduce something else that just kind of kept it fresh and lively. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are familiar with Dupio's films, you'll know that he plays pretty heavily into the world, into the realm of uh, the absurd. And this movie felt fairly grounded for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, except towards the end when it got really, really crazy. But comparing it to something like Wrong, I think that it was much more grounded. And I think it's just, it, to me, uh, I wonder what the word I want to use here. Because there's there's definitely a huge difference between something like this and then a film like Wrong. Wherein, like, the absurdity of his previous movies just seemed completely random and just thrown into the mix for no reason outside of, you know, he liked the idea and he wanted it to be right. in there. Where here, everything complements everything else. Like, it all works. Everything fits in its own little logic. And nothing seems, like, completely ridiculous, if that makes sense. Like, there's absurdity, but the absurdity, to a point, makes sense within the structure of it. It should be noted that this takes place in the 80s, and the production design on this movie is incredible i loved the look of all the buildings the office i I just love the look of everything it it seemed so like meticulously done especially that office Mm -hmm. and i think it would the one of the things that really really helps this is the essentially the two uh the two performances at the center of benoit pulavord who you might know from Man Bites Dog. He was like the serial killer from Man Bites Dog. And here he's great because he just, ex- he over-exaggerates everything. He's so ridiculous <laughs> and over the top. And then Gregory Ludic, who just plays, you know, he's just, he's completely, he doesn't know what's <laughs> happening. He just wants to go home. He's so hungry. <laughs> and he's clearly, I just love the idea that because it's really, really simple. Like, he is not a suspect. I mean, he just found the body. But this... <laughs> the police officer just won't give it up. He just has to keep going over the story. Over the story. And, of course, he quickly, you know, becomes embroiled in another crime. <laughs> which <laughs> is just super... T- and I just love the way that they play with that, too. Because you saw it coming from a mile away. Like, he... He does it. He just teases it and teases mm-hmm. it. Like, it's not a surprise. You know what's going to happen. And it's just the way that it's handled from then on out. What is, I don't have the runtime in front of me, but it, it's only like a little over an hour, right? Yeah, it's like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's the perfect length. It's just everything about it. It's great. The, just the fact that he just keeps, he keeps getting distracted. He keeps stalling. It's just one thing after another that keeps delaying this. And he just, like you said, he just wants to leave. He just wants to get out of there. He gave his statement. Why is this man continuing 
to make it worse for him and just not letting him go. And <laughs> he just wants to eat. He's so hungry. Yeah. He's so hungry. I did enjoy that scene when he gives him like the Snickers bar that's like open and half eaten. <laughs> it was like in his drawer. He gives him the oyster. I do. I also love when they're like, they're going over, you know, um, each time that he left his apartment and returned to his apartment, which was a total of seven times. And he's going over and how the commissioner is just, he's getting really irritated and kind of pissed off because it's he leads such a boring life. And I just love how he kind of calls him out, you know, like he's never been a part of an investigation that has been this boring. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, he wants every little detail. So he has to tell him like, oh, I went downstairs to go. And then I realized I forgot my keys and I had to go back up and get, get my keys. And I going back to the oyster scene. <laughs> For some reason, that scene, I just started cracking up when he started eating the shell. Just <laughs> he the, just started and the just, noshing, his just noshing on that oyster <laughs> shell and eating the whole thing. And the look on the detective's face as he was eating the whole shell. <laughs> it's just... Oh, my God. It's it's stupid. It's It's a stupid movie, but it's... Like, it's the exact type of stupid that I'm looking right. for. Yeah. Like, when he's trying to get the... At the beginning, when he's trying to get the other detective, the the guy with the one eye, when he's trying to get his attention, and he just throws the stapler <laughs> at him. Uh, and, and, of course, like, immediate... So, the the other detective, he, he doesn't have an eye. There's just no eye there. It's just flat, just skin. And, of course... Louis is like, or Louis is like, what's going on with your eye? <laughs> like he just, he just asks him right away. And he goes, does it hurt? He goes, does it hurt? And the guy goes, dumb question. <laughs> Which was, that was the, the that because that happens, you know, like right off the bat, you know, mm-hmm. that's introduced, that's thrown into the, and you're just kind of like, oh god, that's kind of, that's kind of like right. Right front center, like that's kind of dumb, but then they quickly make up for it. So I was just, I was kind of worried that it was going to be this just like super obvious, uh, you know, corniness to it. Yeah, what they do with that is was a, a unexpected. I didn't, I thought that there was going to be a lot more with that character, so that that was a little bit <laughs> unexpected. He starts showing up in the the flashbacks, though. My favorite is. Because to me, it was completely unexpected when he just shows up in that that uh, that horse show that he was watching. Yeah, which I don't. <laughs> it's just horses just hanging out of doors for whatever reason, and he just pops up. Oh God! Yeah, fucking, it's great. Fucking love it. We might have to do a just a quick spoiler talk about some of the aspects, some of the other aspects of this. Maybe we'll. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a quick spoiler talk and throw that at the end of the episode. Can do. Sounds for pe- good. For, for people that saw it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed all the performances. I thought it was very funny. Uh, I mean, I was laughing quite a bit. This is this is definitely my style of humor. It's a little bit awkward. It's definitely weird. Just right up my alley. And like yeah. you said, 
a lot of it is kind of stupid, but it's it is stupid in the best kind of ways. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, non-spoiler related, before we give this a score and then talk about some spoilers? I just fucking love this movie. It's the early contender. I know we're in January, but man, I don't know if I'm going to see a better comedy this year. I hope I do, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a blast. Highly recommend it. If you have a movie, check out this. Again, it's called Keep an Eye Out or Au Post. I guess I should mention that it is a French film. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Might be worth noting. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's give it a score. What are you going to give Keep an Eye Out? I give it a nine. This gets an eight for me. Strong eight. Nice. Solid eight. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Kevin, I think we'll start it with you this week. Well, I'll keep the movie thing going because they essentially premiered another movie, which played, oh, I hope I'm right. I think it was Sundance. I'm pretty sure it played Sundance last year. And that's a pity. Yes, it did play Sundance. Okay. Good. Last year. Um. This is by the guy that directed the movie L. He's part of the the Greek weird wave, as they call it on movie. Uh, he's essentially the lesser known of the big names, and that's Babis Makaridis, who, I mean, his are they're just as good as like the Lanthimos and the Sangari films. They're ridiculous. I mean, L is about a guy that lives in a car that delivers honey. Every day to a narcoleptic man. And his family also lives in a a separate car. And they meet each other in a parking lot. Like it's. So. (laughs) Pity is about this. (laughs) Very wealthy. Lawyer. Uh, His wife is in a coma. And things aren't looking great. Everything's kind of. Stagnant. You know she's not progressing. She's not getting better. And. Everyone around him, you know, has him in their thoughts. You know, he's at the forefront of everyone's mind. They just feel bad for this guy. He's getting pity. He's getting sympathy. And after a while, he becomes essentially addicted to it. He's got to have that pity. He's got to have that sweet, sweet juice of pity. And things get better in his life. And that makes him unhappy. Because he misses the sympathy and the pity and he wants it to come back. And he goes into increasingly shocking ways of making that happen. And uh, let's just say that there, there's not a length that he won't go to in order to, to create some suffering for himself. That, that way he can, he can cry in the morning and get that sympathy yeah, from everybody. <laughs> I fully plan on seeing this. I wanted to see it last year at Sundance, but I missed it. It's just... it's. I'm really excited. I mean, it goes some really, really dark places. It gets... It gets shocking. But uh, cool. it's... And it's a black, black, black comedy. Black. Pitch black comedy. Dark. Oh, it's dark. dark. And you have a review for this up on the site, too. Yes, yes. So if you have movie, there's two. There's two right there that you can watch right now. And it should be noted that the way the movie works is that they're only up for a limited time. 
So, right? Yeah, yeah. 30 days, I think, is how it works. Yeah, so be sure to check them out before they drop off. All right, I didn't watch a whole lot this week. Had a lot going on, but I did squeeze some a couple things in. One was Willie Dynamite from 1974. This just came out on Arrow. Right. Not too not too long ago. It's directed by Gilbert Moses. This is a pretty classic, pretty pretty basic black exploitation film. I mean, when you think of the tropes that are in a black exploitation film, this pretty much checks all the boxes. Almost to the point that I, I think that this might be a parody of black exploitation films. Okay. I'm 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 like I'm like sixty percent sure that this was designed to be a parody of black exploitation films. So you have Roscoe Orman playing Willie Dynamite. He's the king pimp. He's uh like the biggest pimp in New York. All right. He runs seven girls in his neighborhood and he's he's big time, big success. But then he starts getting a little bit of trouble from the social worker. Mm. So he has this this uh new this new girl. She's pretty young and the social worker sort of makes it her mission to get this girl out from from under Willie's control and bring Willie down. And not only that, but you have rival pimps that are starting to come in on Willie's turf and cause trouble for him. So the whole movie is just the world beating the shit out of Willie Dynamite. Like nothing goes this guy's way. Like it's just one thing after another. He gets the shit kicked out of him. He gets in a car chase. He gets arrested and everybody's out to get him. The cops, the social worker, the other pimps. And it's just a series of bad things happening to Willie Dynamite. Now, Roscoe Orman would actually go on to be a recurring character on Sesame Street. He he was he had a role as I think his name was Gordon on Sesame Street and he's still he's still doing that actually. He's still on Sesame Street. Yes. So it was a little bit of a departure for him, but he was great in this role. He was ruthless. He was not a likable character. So some of these movies, some of these black exploitation movies that that have pimp characters as being the protagonist, they're they're kind of likable, even though they're pimps, mm. right? But but Willie Dynamite, he's not a likable guy at all. Like you have no sympathy for the bad shit that happens to him in this movie. But he's still really he's kind of funny. Just to see and hear his reactions of like when this all this awful stuff is happening to him it's pretty humorous and his outfits are second to none there's also an original theme song that goes with this movie that's pretty amazing yes i missed that cuz i i have i have i have one of the movies that i watched had had a, a theme song too and it's just like man Theme songs. I mean, we had we had theme songs all the way up through the nineties. The the nineties had a lot of original theme songs. In fact, we're gonna do a, an episode of Say by the Nineties that just talks about movies with original theme songs. But yeah, they just kind of disappeared. And I think it's unfortunate. And I just I love the ones that are my favorite, which is 
the one that I saw this week where they're just really simple. They're just super oh, yeah. simple. Oh, just yeah. the character's yeah. name, really. A couple yeah, of lines yeah. and that's, that's it. That's exactly what Willie Dynamite is. It is just super simple, mostly just his name. Yep. Love it. <laughs> uh but I I wrote a review for, for this one that's up on the site. Um it's it's okay as far as black exploitation films go. It's not on the top of my list or anything, probably not even in the top ten, but it's all right. It's it's more tame than a lot of them. Uh maybe because Universal actually put this out. Universal produced this. So it's sort of more mainstream. Yeah. There's not really a lot of profanity, not a lot of nudity. I don't think there's any nudity, and the violence is somewhat kept to a minimum. But it's uh, it's okay. It's it was kind of fun. Yeah, I like. We got some, we got uh, good segues working here. Because uh, what I saw was Thomasine Bushrod from 1974. This is directed by Gordon Parks Jr. This is written. And starring Max Julian, who, if you don't know Max Julian, he, the the movie The Mac, he's the star of the movie The Mac, where he played a pimp, mm-hmm. like one of yeah. the best best performances ever, in my in my mind. And this was, he wrote this as kind of like a counterpart, or really a counterpoint to Bonnie and Clyde, so. Hmm. He has he plays Bushrod, who's this like outlaw, and then Thomasine is played by who I guess at this point in time was his like live-in girlfriend, uh, Vanetta McGee. So she plays Thomasine. She's a bounty hunter, just napping guys left and right, making money, and she finds out that Bushrod is still wanted, thousand dollars to capture him, but. She likes Bush Rock, so she doesn't really. So they, this takes place in like 1911 in Texas, right? So the interesting thing to this is like Max Julian and her, like their their performances are kind of modern. Like they don't really, hmm. they don't really like fully invest into the idea of like playing it in the time. Like all the other characters play it at the time, but. They're kind of modern. And uh, so essentially they kind of fall into this Bonnie and Clyde lifestyle, which is what happens is just a rich guy is like really condescending to him. This rich white guy that owns everything in town. So they're like, you know what? Fuck you. We're going to rob your bank. And then they're just like, okay, this is what we do now. But it's it's really interesting, especially their their relationship, because it is pretty modern for considering it's supposed to take place in like 1911 where her character Thomasine is kind of pushes back on Bushrod, like kind of bosses him around and is kind of in charge of robbing the banks and such. And she's kind of getting pissed off with him because he's not really providing as much as he should be. And like, essentially they just want to have a life, right? They just want to get home and just have a life like everyone else. But they know that that's not possible. Like they're not going to be able to have the lives of white people in Texas. So they just kind of 
they just take it. But they're also kind of like Robin Hood figures. They become folk healers because all the money that they steal, they give back to Native Americans or poor whites or black people, that type of thing. So, mm. but there's, it's got little like glimpses of humor here and there that like the, the one she wants, like one of the first things that she wants to do is fight, like buy some fancy clothes. Right. So cuts to a scene where they walk in and it's just, all you see is just them really fancy clothes. They come in and Bushrod, Max Julian is just like, I would like to introduce you to Miss Thomasine. And she, you know, she kind of curtsies a little bit and then they just pull, both pull up their guns and they're like, now we're going to rob your bank. Hmm. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty fun. I got to say it's, it's pretty fun. I the I rented this one on Amazon, I think for like three bucks. Okay. Nice. So for a black Western, good times. And that's uh Tom Thomasine and Bushrod. Indeed. Keeping it with the seventies genre film uh thing that we got going here, I saw the Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. This came out in 1970 and it's directed by uh, Luciano Arcioli. Huh. This is a somewhat early giallo film. So this this came out the same year as The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, I think. And that movie, which was uh, Argento's, I think that was Argento's debut, if I'm not mistaken, um, sort of define the rules of the giallo film. That's 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 the movie that sort of uh laid down the the tropes of the giallo movie. Before that movie came out, uh, a lot of giallo films were more heavily based in sort of psychological thrillers and they were more melodramatic in their presentation. And this this is one of those movies. It's not super violent. It's not, there's a fair amount of sex in it, but it's not like crazy over the top. Like, uh, like many Giallo films would later, would later be. And it's, um, just a lot more subdued and focused on the psychological torment of the, the lead protagonist. And it's about this, this woman, she lives a, somewhat lavish lifestyle. Her husband is gone on work trips a lot, so he's not home very often. And one night she's coming home and she gets followed by this guy who pins her down and he doesn't assault her. He almost does, but he tells her that, that her husband is a murderer and he has proof. Ooh. So she the guy ends up finding her again and he has a tape that on the tape, it sounds like her husband did something that caused the death of, of this, this guy, this, this work colleague. And she believes it to be true because it's his voice and everything. And she agrees to do whatever this guy wants. And it turns out that he just wants her to be his sex slave. So she, agrees to do these sort of degraded degrading things for him, which you don't really see much of that, like in the actual movie, it's all sort of implied. 
Uh, but she does these horrible things and then the guy gives her the tape, but then he continues to stalk her and, and mess with her. So she eventually confesses to her husband and she tells her best friend also. And the best friend who is rich, she's like, all right, look, I'll give you 20 grand and you can give it to the guy and just say, go away. The guy refuses the money and still messes with her. Uh, the problem is anytime she tries to tell her husband, of course, her husband doesn't believe her. And like, she'll see the guy standing outside their house. And then when she grabs her husband, the guy's not there and he'll call her and mess with her. And then when the, when the husband grabs the phone, the guy, the stalker guy will play like a recording of the time and temperature sort of to make her go insane. Hmm. It's pretty entertaining. It's a little, it's a little bland. I'm going to be honest. And the twist is actually pretty cool. Uh, there's, there's a somewhat enjoyable twist that happens towards the end, but I would say as far as uh, most Giallo films go, this is, this is sort of on the mm, lower end of things. Just fair, fairly bland, a little bit mediocre. Mm. Some of the, some of the camera shots are actually quite good. And this is, Ercoli or Ercholi's, I'm not sure how to properly pronounce his last name, but that's his, this is his debut. And I'd say for a debut, it's pretty solid, but yeah. comparing it to some of the later Giallo films of like Argento and Fulci and Bava, it's not quite on that level. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, there's a lot of cool uh, bonus features on the the Blu-ray, not really as feature-rich as some of the the other releases. But I just love that Arrow is putting out all of these Giallo films. Just all they're just gonna put out every single one. It seems like. I mean, I I have a really nice collection going now, and and I really hope that they continue to to put them out. I'm hoping for maybe they'll put out an Argento box set or something. One of these days, that would be really awesome. There you go. But I should also mention that the Willy Dynamite Blu-ray is one of the weakest Arrow releases I've ever seen, which is really unfortunate. It only has a commentary track from a film critic and the trailer, and that's it. Mm. Yeah, that's... Whereas most of their releases are just jam-packed. Like, this one has featurettes it's got like five or six featurettes and a making of and uh still galleries and all different there's two there's the english and italian version of the movies on there and so yeah i can just i always have a tough time understanding the idea like i guess i do get it but at the same time of putting having like hey here's the trailer as part of especially like what the fuck do i want a trailer for well, for for newer trailer. movies, I don't really understand it. But for older movies, I can kind of get it because a lot of these old sort of grindhouse movies had like five minute long trailers and they were just really interesting, especially if you had different trailers that were released in different countries and stuff. So it's kind of fun to go back and watch. Yeah. But I mean, of course, you can go to like trailers from hell or something and watch a lot of these yeah. Crazy old trailers too. I just it always feels like a cop out to me to have that like listed on the special features. Like 
You're trying to fucking pad that list. It's just a I trailer. I agree to a certain extent, but I think that it's also a good thing to just include them if you're trying to make it as complete a package as possible. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, and, and that that's one of the things I like about what Arrow does is a lot of times in, cause they all include booklets and they have like technical specifications in their booklets, like where they sourced the film from for the restoration and stuff like that. I should also mention that this one is a new restoration the Wooly Dynamite was not a restoration, but they used original uh, negatives from Universal, so hmm. it looks it looks like it's like in perfect condition. Okay, uh, I don't have a uh, a segue off of that one. I didn't watch anything Giallo re- related, uh, but I mean, I could I could just say that Bad Times at the El Royale is a Giallo movie. <laughs> just run with it. Uh, uh, I'd rather I you s- not. <laughs> you saw this, right? Yeah. You saw Bad Times at Del Royale. I, I did. Pretty recently. And this is a p- fucking bloated corpse of a movie. Like, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I was really into the beginning, but it was like one of those movies where each minute that passed, uh, it was losing me more and more. <laughs> it's like... If I were to watch you, or if you were to watch me, that like in the upper right hand corner, <clears throat> there would be like my interest level, be like a health bar. And just after, after a certain point, kind of the same, like it sets it up, right? And like the intrigue is there because I'm like, ooh, who are these people? How are they connected? And then like once it essentially reveals itself, or at least just even just a portion of itself, I'm just like, oh, I don't care. I don't well, care yeah, at all. because because like halfway through, you realize that the secrets held within this hotel are not nearly as interesting as what you imagined in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. Like you, you, the movie started with that really great opening shot that sort of just that cold open that just blasted you, and you're like, yeah, this is gonna be. There's gonna be some really cool, intriguing shit in this, and then like you're introduced <laughs> to the hotel. And I will say, like, the hotel is amazing. Like, I want to stay at that hotel because I love the look of the lobby and how, like, you know, it's split between the two states and all of that stuff. And the the rooms were just I I liked all of that. And then the sort of behind the scenes stuff with the, the corridors, with the two way mirrors and all that. I was like, man, what are they doing here? But it turns out they're not really doing anything that interesting. No, and then they and it's and it's funny because it's not only that. It, like on top of that too, it's just like, hey, th- this could be more interesting. But we're actually we're here to discuss this thing, this this kidnapping type thing, and you're just like, well, this isn't interesting at all. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. And then on top of it. He makes it so fucking long. Like I It is very long. I don't know what he's doing here. <clears throat> I mean, honestly for me, it's just it it feels like he's stalling where like I don't know if just somehow on its own like intrigue or mystery or something is just going to manifest itself and kind of fill in these gaps of just absolutely nothing happening. And just being outright boring. I mean, it's just boring. 
really. And then inexplicably, I don't understand this at all. It's, it's as if Drew Goddard didn't watch the rest of his film, like all the preceding events. And then he introduces the, like the Vietnam thing. And then we have this Vietnam flashback and it's, you know, it's like playing this very dramatic music and it's really trying to hit this dramatic weight. And it's just like, do you, like, do you forget what your movie is? Like, why are you trying to do this? And then to have the tack on the whole, like trying to be absolved of your sins and just, oh God, it was, it was embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it, I think, more than you did. I thought it was okay, but yeah. It's Definitely just, a disappointment, that's oh for sure. Man, one of the biggest. I mean, I wasn't really that. <laughs> I wasn't, I can't say that I was really that, you know, interested or had high hopes for it to, going into it, but oof, I didn't think it was going to be like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's bad times at the El Royale. Unfortunate. I saw Cold Pursuit this week. That's the new one that's coming out with Liam Neeson. Yeah. It doesn't come out until February 8th, so I can't talk about it just yet. But I can talk about In Order of Disappearance, which I didn't even know this until after I saw Cold Pursuit, that Cold Pursuit is a a remake. remake? What the Yeah. It's a remake of In Order of Disappearance, which is a, a, a Norwegian film. It's the same director, uh, oh. Hans Peter Moland. So it's the same director, and it's nearly a shot-for-shot remake. It's almost the exact same. I mean, you have the same dialogue and everything. Wow. So <laughs> I can talk about In Order of Disappearance, and maybe you can translate... What I say in this one over to the other one. But I will say, I will say that this is like, in order of disappearance is like the 1.0 version and then Cold Pursuit's like the 2.0 or 1.5 version. It's, you know, he learned from some of the mistakes that he made in this one and fixed them in the other one, but uh, not everything. So... (laughs) In Order of Disappearance star, stars uh, Stellan Skarsgård as a, a plow truck driver. Hell yeah. And his, his job, he gets Citizen of the Year in his, in his little town because this, this little town is right outside a, a big city. I'm not sure exactly what, what city. I can't remember. But tiny town outside of a major metropolitan area and it's his job to keep the main road between the connects the city to the Mm -hmm. little town keep it clear so his his one job just keep this one road clear and he does a great job at it and he gets citizen of the year but unfortunately what happens is his son who works at an airport as like a baggage handler gets killed um, oh, God. and it's, they rule it a, an overdose, a heroin overdose, but we all know that that's not the case that he was murdered and still in Skarsgård. He is just determined. He knows my son was not a junkie. He was murdered. So he starts uh, looking into it and he just goes on this brutal, uh, 
path of revenge. Um, he just, dis- he discovers that it was some organized crime guys that were involved in his son's death. So he starts at the bottom and just kills everybody on his way up the food chain. And there's some really interesting twists in here. And the, the thing that should be noted is that it is a dark comedy. There's a lot of humor in it. Um, the, the remake injects significantly more humor into it, but, um, the, the the original one also contains a lot of humor and it's kind of refreshing it almost feels like a coen brothers movie in a lot of ways there's a there's just some weird kind of oddball things that happen uh among these sporadic scenes of slightly extreme violence and i liked it overall the there were some some issues with editing in this one. There were a lot of the transitions and cuts felt a little jarring uh, in, in how quickly they happened. And his relationship with his wife um, dramatically deteriorates after his son's death. And I don't feel like uh, Molland explores that enough, like to justify what happens. So his wife is has what I would assume is some sort of mental break after the death of their son. And she just leaves and it feels very jarring when it happens. It just feels Mm -hmm. like, Oh, the wife's here and now she's gone. And now we're not going to worry about her anymore. Uh, Laura Dern plays the wife in the new one, by the way. Okay. And overall though, I would say it is uh, a pretty, pretty good. Pretty pretty cool little crime thriller with a satisfying amount of humor in it as well. And they do this cool thing where every time somebody dies, the screen will fade to black and the name of the person will appear. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll have their, their little symbol for whatever religion they were oh <laughs> above God. them. So every single time somebody dies... We cut to black and they use that for comedic effect. Sometimes like sometimes uh, there'll be like a scene where a guy comes in and they'll be like talking and the scene will end and you won't see the guy being killed and it'll just come up and he'll just be like, <laughs> Oh, they got him too. <laughs> so that was, I, I actually really liked that, uh, that little shtick that they used in it and of course there's like one scene where a whole bunch of people die so you <laughs> just see this they don't scroll it but it, they're oh. like all in order so there's like nine names that pop up all <laughs> at once <laughs> yeah so in order of disappearance this is actually on Netflix so if you are if, if you saw the trailer for Cold Pursuit and you're thinking hey that looks pretty good you can watch in order of disappearance and yeah, it's yeah. essentially the same movie yeah, which is, that's interesting, because I've been wanting to watch that movie for a while, and I just never got around to it. I had no idea yeah. Cold Pursuit was... Yep, I had no idea, because I never saw it before, and after the screening, um, I was talking to one of the other critics there, and he was like, did you know that this was a remake of In Order of Disappearance? And I was like, I, no, I had no idea. I was like, I never saw that movie, and I, I didn't know that that was a remake at all. He's like, yeah, same same director and same story beats and same dialogue and everything. Huh. And, and it's really interesting because 
in the new one, the new one takes place outside of Denver. So it's a small town that's outside of Dem- Denver, but the shots, like the establishing shots, when they show like the road that leads from the little town into the city, like they're the exact same. Like it's, it's kind of interesting. Hmm. And in this movie, you have, you know, your main crime gang and then you have the Serbs. So you have this Serbian gang and in, and in the new one, you have the main crime gang and then you have a, uh, a native American cartel, which, which is actually, yeah. So in, in the original one, it's like the, the drug dealers versus the Serbs. And then in the new one, you have the drug dealers versus the native Americans and introducing the native Americans in it adds another sort of interesting layer. Huh? So, yeah, in order of disappearance. Check it out. It's on Netflix. All right, let's talk about some new releases. We'll start with theaters. We got uh, Serenity coming out. This is the one with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. McConaughey and Hathaway. Oh, man. This movie's finally coming out, huh? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was supposed to come out a long time ago. I'm not sure what Same what here. happened with that. That's right. <laughs> Written and directed by Stephen Knight. Ooh. Yeah. Remember Locke? Oh, is that the guy that did Locke? Yeah. Mmm. 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 No, thank you. <laughs> I thought Locke was okay. Not sure about <laughs> this one, though. No. This doesn't look good. We also have the king, the kid who would be king... All right. This is this is the new one from Joe Cornish. This is his follow up to Attack the Block. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's his first first movie by what eight eight years, I think. Yeah, it's kind of took a long time. Heard heard pretty good things. It looks okay to me. Yeah, I'm not. I have a feeling that maybe it's better than the trailer makes it out to be. But just because it's Joe Cornish, I'm I'm slightly interested. I just want to see what he has up his sleeve for his second film. You know, this, the second film is always the one it's like the make or break one, right? It's the, well, for some people. So <laughs> there's others that just keep making them. It doesn't matter how bad that <laughs> second one is. They just keep on going. That's true. Uh, that's pretty much it for wide releases. There are of uh, January. Yeah, there are a few limited releases here. We got King of Thieves. This is a heist thriller. Uh, looks pretty mediocre to me. Michael Caine. All right. We got The Invisibles. The Image Book. This is the new Godard film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting a limited release. The Final Wish. Looks like some sort of gothic horror movie. Okay. That's pretty much it. Wow. All right. Yeah. It's January, you know? Yeah. On VOD this week, we have Mobile Homes that comes out today, Tuesday. We have West of Sunshine, also a Tuesday release. And then on Friday, we have Polar, which is going to be on Netflix. Now, this is one um, that I'm interested in. This is directed by Jonas Ockerlin. And it stars Mads Mikkelsen. 
about a um, a uh, an assassin. Oh man, who retires and is forced out of retirement because other assassins, younger, faster assassins, are coming after him to get his like wealth or something. It's just it's it just perplexes me that assassins think that they can retire. That's yeah. not how it works. That's not how the game works. Like you can't get into assassinating and be like, man, I'm really looking forward to the day where I can retire. That shit's not gonna happen. That is true. That I don't think that is in the job description. No. But we'll see how it works out for Mads in Polar. I'll definitely be looking into that one. On the on Friday we also have Dead Ant, which is uh Looks like some sort of horror comedy with Tom Arnold. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's Dead Ant, A-N-T. A-N-T, oh. not A-U-N-T. Oh. Yeah. That, that makes it weirder. Mm-hmm. It does. I just figured it was like an ant that dies and then comes back to life. And it's just no, hilarity ensues. 80s hair metal band Sonic Grave finds themselves living off a power ballad they released nearly 30 years ago. Eager to become relevant again in the modern day, they must they embark on a road trip to Coachella where their manager has set them up to reinvent themselves. Yeah, the 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 plan quickly falls apart when the group find themselves under attack by killer ants that what keep getting f- bigger. well we put that on the list for ryan yeah jake Busey is also in it as well as sean astin oh hell yeah we can have him watch that when it's like uh when it's like national ant day or something yeah finally king of thieves is also hitting vod this week thank god yeah so you get your king of thieves fix (laughs) Blu-ray this week, we have First Man coming out. This is the Damien Chazelle one that uh, got a little bit of buzz in 2018. I thought it was okay, not great. Nothing to write home about. Waterworld is coming out on on Arrow. Arrow Video releasing a special edition Waterworld Blu-ray from 1995. This This sucker is packed with features. So if you're mm. into Waterworld or want to know more, I'm I'm more interested in the behind the scenes stuff that I'm sure that they included. Mm-hmm. Just because Waterworld was at the time the most expensive film ever made, and it was like a complete flop. Yeah, it was. Chicken Run from 2000 getting a new Blu-ray release, as is Cobra from 1986. Oh yeah, I wanna. I've been meaning to watch Cobra. <laughs> I've always wanted to watch that movie, and I just haven't got around to it. Well, now is your time. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, it doesn't look like it's on any kind of, oh, no, it is Shout Factory. Okay, so hopefully there's some good bonus content in there since Shout Factory is putting it out. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, getting a new Blu-ray collector's edition. This is also from Shout Factory. This is on their Shout Selects line, which... Uh, if you remember back when I talked about the the Burbs mm-hmm. collector's edition, this is the same line. 
Okay. If it's anything like the Burbs release, it's going to have a ton of really great uh, content. So looking forward to that. Double Dragon from 1994 is getting a limited edition uh, release from MVD Visual. MVD Visual, I think, is some sort of... They're somehow related to Arrow. I don't know in what capacity. (laughs) Arrow just has a monopoly now on DVDs, it seems. Yeah, this is part of the MVD Rewind collection. They've been putting out um, these... They've been redoing a lot of these kind of older cult movies. I reviewed one of them in the past. I can't remember which one. It was... um, I have it right here. It was uh, Bram Stoker's Shadow Builder from 1998. And you, so you have like these kind of bad movies that, that are getting these really nice remasters. So I'm interested in that one. I remember liking the movie Double Dragon as a kid, but I, I think that it's probably horrible. Uh, yeah, I have a strong, strong feeling that it is awful. The Hate You Give is coming out. Getting Even with Dad, the movie with Macaulay Culkin and Ted Danson from 1994 getting a Blu-ray release. (laughs) Beat the Devil from 1953 is coming out on Twilight Time. I didn't even know Twilight Time was still around. Learning stuff all the time. Yeah, guess guess they are still around. Black Shampoo from 1976. Kiss of the Tarantula from 1976 is also coming out. As is Roadhouse 2 from 2006. Forgot about that one. Yes. City of Vampires from 1993. is That is a super limited edition. They're only making 100 of those. Oh, wow. Yeah, SRS Cinema is putting that out. That's pretty much it for the notable releases. What do we have on Criterion this week? We have two Criterions. Uh oh. Double yeah. double whammy. Oh yeah. You got you got an older one and a contemporary one. So the contemporary is the the four months, three weeks, and two days from two thousand seven. And then the older one, which to me this is perhaps one of the best movies ever. And that's Elaine May's Mikey and Nicky with uh, Peter Falk and John Cassavetes is so good. Nice. The movie's amazing. I love it. There you have it. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. All right, let's 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 talk about some spoilers for Keep an Eye Out real quick. Now, the first thing to, to mention, he... The man with the one eye, the detective, kills himself. Well, he dies very (laughs) early on in the movie. He trips over an open filing cabinet. The guy's a buffoon, and he trips over an open filing cabinet and pierces his own face with a a triangle. Uh, Is that that what it's called? 
like a drawing. Yeah, I forget what they're called. And Lewis is like deciding, oh, okay, I I have to hide the body. They're going to think I did this. They're going to think I killed him. So he puts him in a locker. So throughout the rest of the movie, you have him trying to get out of there, but also trying to avoid anyone seeing this dead body that's in this locker. And that's why you have, you know, the detective starting to creep into his memories and stuff like that. I think he's feeling a little guilty about what he, what happened. Uh, And that adds this sort of really fun lair to this movie because he's being interrogated and trying to get out of there and avoid anyone seeing this body. Mm. And then it really goes off the rails when you discover that this was all a stage play and everyone was in on it except uh, Louis. <laughs> he had no idea. The the reaction when when sort of the lights went up and people started clapping and stuff and it was revealed that it was that they were on a stage, which was really a great shot, by the way. Just that that whole sequence when it all lifted and they're on a stage. <laughs> his the look on his face was just so priceless with that mustache and just the utter uh he he was so befuddled the utter befuddlement that he had uh, so what did you think what did you think about how that went there at the end and then and then to make matters worse so they all go out to dinner after the show <laughs> finally gets to eat as you do you go you, and he's feeling good he was but everybody was acting a little weird around him they were all kind of acting distant They weren't really talking to him. They weren't particularly being nice to him. And then they get out from the restaurant and he gets arrested. And you find out that they're going to do the same thing again tomorrow. What do you, what did you think? How did you think about that ending? I I did. uh, I, I liked it. I I mean, because honestly, I did not, I did not see that coming at all. And, Yes, there was a there was a part of me that you know when the the walls lifted up and everything, it was revealed to be a stage play. I, there, there was like a little bit of befuddlement for me too, where I was just kind of like, "What?" And then I just I just bought it. She's like, "Sure, why not? That's all right. Whatever. We're just this is your world. I'm just watching it." And uh, I did like that they you know they they extended it into them kind of going out to dinner and having drinks and kind of critiquing the commissioner's performance and making fun of him for eating a hot dog and yeah how he really <laughs> ate it and didn't didn't fake eat it and then there were like the the critic the critic reviews were already in for it and i just i loved that the aspect of it you know the person that criticizes his performance because his performance is you know the it's essentially half of the film or half of the play along with Louis and the guy that's critiquing him is the one that plays his son that literally has like no 
has nothing to do. He has the smallest amount to do out of everyone. And it's just so, it's just so ridiculous. Because it was odd too, where they like, they were so cold to him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just, I just felt bad for this guy. He just wants to eat. He thinks he's going to get busted for killing this guy, which he didn't because this guy's just an idiot. Like he said, like, I love how he, how he just gets pissed off and starts exclaiming how he's such a pain in the neck and pain in the ass, this stupid idiot that kills himself. (laughs) And how he finally like gets relieved of the situation and he finally goes out and gets to eat his food. He's been dying of hunger all day. And then he does get arrested. It's just, I don't, it's I think just, the guy's in. I think the guy's in hell. I think he's in hell, and that's his hell. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they, but that's also what I kind of like about Dupio is that, like, it's his world. He has his logic to it. I don't know what the hell any of this means. I'm just happy to be there and watch it along for the Same. ride. You know, I I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> There's the, it's just, it's kind of liberating, you know, to not be like, oh, well, I wonder what that meant. I, I don't care what it means. I have fun. 